break out the poster board and start bending time. Today we're talking Lucy's schedule. Hello, my beautiful Tropicanas. Welcome back to the Ricardo Project, the podcast where we watch through I Love Lucy episode by episode and talk about its historical, emotional, and comedic impact. My name is Dana, and I'm so glad you joined me today for Lucy's Schedule from Season 1, Episode 33, which premiered 70 years ago today on May 26, 1952. I'm very excited to talk about this one. So here's what happens in Lucy's Schedule. So we open with Ricky just like antsy as hell because Lucy is taking way too long to get ready to go to the movies. And no matter what he says to her, her response is always, I'll be ready in a minute, dear. And what I love about this is, first of all, we all know that I love repetition and comedy. You know, psychologically, it's very pleasing. But also, I just love when Lucy is completely unbothered by Ricky. It's so funny. And like Ricky is so stressed that his tie has like popped out of his jacket. And truly, Lucy is doing her nails in the slowest possible way. So Lucy tells Ricky to stop worrying because the Mertzes are also going to be late. But Ricky counters that Fred has assured him they'll be ready at 8 p.m. sharp no matter what. Lucy literally laughs at this. But lo and behold, the Mertzes arrive on time. And Ethel is sulking quite a bit. And it turns out this is because Fred was a complete you know, asshole. And she's only got bloomers on under her coat because she wasn't ready when it was time to leave and he made her leave anyway. And this is a very funny visual aid. Like Vivian Vance plays it incredibly well, but we're entering the Fred is a bad husband era and oh, how I mourn. We all know how I feel about Fred Mertz. I do think he's the best of at being uh, a friend of the group, but he's very clearly the worst spouse of the group. And I, uh, I can only be a Fred apologist so long once we enter this era and, you know, light a candle for me, I guess. <laughs> so the next night, Ricky and Lucy are having the same experience. Ricky is pacing. Lucy isn't ready yet. But this time, uh, they're not late to go to the movies. They're late for a dinner with Ricky's new boss, Mr. Littlefield. And Ricky wants a promotion. So this is very important. And it's clearly very, very important to Ricky in particular. But Lucy is ready on time. She looks great. And she announces that she managed to do this by tricking herself. And she turned the clocks back so she would give herself an extra hour and says that it's only six instead of seven. They turn off the lights to head out. But Ricky very quickly realizes that it is far too dark to be only six o'clock. And he quickly realizes that this is because Lucy should have turned the clocks forward, not backwards. And now it means they're an hour late for dinner. We get a spider from Lucy about it. Uh, and they run out the door. So we cut to the Littlefields. And Mrs. Littlefield, Phoebe, is very worried about the Ricardos, understandably, especially because Mr. Littlefield rushed her to be ready for dinner at 7.30 on the dot. And now it's 8.30, she seems like a nice lady, right? Mr. Littlefield seems like kind of a dick, but Mrs. Littlefield, very nice lady. So Ricky and Lucy finally show up. They apologize for being late. And the Littlefields begin a masterclass in wasp passive aggression. 
They ate dinner without them because 7.30 was the time. And then they describe it so slowly. They describe how perfect it was. Um, Mrs. Littlefield says that she could make them dinner, but the dishes have, you know, even though the dishes have all been washed, which is really honestly very impressive on Mrs. Littlefield's part that in an hour they managed to eat dinner and literally reset their houses if nothing happened. Like, remember, this is before dishwashers. So Lucy is starving, but Ricky is already completely humiliated, and I don't blame him. And so he says that, you know, when we realized how late we were going to be, we had a snack. So Lucy is just drooling while they describe the cheese and butter on the potatoes and the pork chops and the hollandaise sauce. Um, Basically, if this was our cartoon, um, everyone would have turned into like Basically, if this was a cartoon, it would be like those Looney Tune episodes where, like, one of the characters is really hungry and the other cartoons all turn into, like, hams, and then they try to, like, salt and pepper them. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, they offer them after-dinner mints, and Lucy takes the whole bowl. Um, Mr. Littlefield starts to guilt trip Ricky about being late some more, um, while Lucy takes a piece of wax fruit off the table and just like chomps down only to get it completely stuck, which causes even more of a scene. Everyone's literally screaming. Um, it's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. It's really embarrassing. When the Ricardos get home, Ricky is really, really upset. And Lucy says it was fine because the Littlefields understood once everything was explained and Mrs. Littlefields cooked dinner for them, which like the amount of secondhand embarrassment I got from that, I was like, that is huge humiliating. I would die. And Ricky immediately channels his rage into organizational tactics, and he makes a schedule for Lucy to help her budget her time. And I just want to say, because I love pointing out when the show gets subversive, there's a sex joke in this scene. Ricky says that she's going to budget her time 15 minutes for this, 15 minutes for that. And Lucy's response is to say, I'm going to need a lot more than 15 minutes for that. That's a sex joke, right? I'm not the only one who thought this. I was thrilled. I really, really like when the show kind of sneaks around the censors. It's it's just a delight. A few days later, we're in the kitchen, and there is a giant, like, poster board schedule that has, like, beautiful font. It's quite lovely. It's worth noting, and I'm, I took a little freeze frame of it, that Lucy has phone calls and naps scheduled into her her time. She has like a two-hour break for a nap in the afternoon. And um, how do I get on this? <laughs> like, I would love to schedule a nap for myself every single day. What a treat. Ricky's very proud of Lucy. Lucy's saying it actually the schedule actually really works for her. So as as annoying as it is that it's happening, you know, it's fine. Um, Lucy announces that she made Ricky his breakfast the night before because she had leftover time, but she froze it so it hasn't spoiled and she hands him a frozen sunny side up egg. Um, she's being a great little passive aggressive sneaky sneaker, playing a cute little prank. She gives him a cup of coffee with a spoon in it that's been frozen, so he just pops it out and eats it like a popsicle. It's very cute. I, I like this little scene. Ricky doesn't like yell at her about it or anything. He's just like, okay, I guess I'm having a coffee popsicle. He goes to Mr. Littlefield's for a meeting in the morning and he's like chugging coffee and slamming down food. It's very funny. And Mr. Littlefield tells him that he would be a great manager of the club, but he's not going to get it because of being late for dinner and the fact that he can't run his own home, which is like super gross. And I do think that Mr. Littlefield is meant to represent the kind of like old school patriarchal man, Um, but more on that later. So 
Ricky leans in and he explains that he made up the schedule and he really inflates himself and he calls Lucy a trained seal. It's just icky. And he invites them to dinner to show off how magically the schedule works. And the Littlefields are super intrigued. And he's Mr. Littlefield is going to bring his wife, Phoebe, to show her that things can be run on time, even though Mrs. Littlefield is clearly doing fine. Like, she's fine. So back at the Ricardo apartment, Ethel is telling Lucy to knock it off because Fred now wants to put Ethel on a schedule. Basically, all the men have decided to become controlling monsters. And like I said earlier, Lucy actually kind of likes the schedule. She did steal some time. She gave herself an extra hour at the bottom of the chart. But, you know, she's she's not mad about it. Mrs. Littlefield shows up and is very politely like, what the ever-loving hell have you done? You've betrayed us all. This is nonsense. And she just snitches right on Ricky. She tells Lucy that he called her a trained seal. And this turns Lucy back into herself. And and the three of them decide to really get one over on the men and really show them what's what at dinner that night. So it's time for dinner. Ricky and Fred are sitting around. They're congratulating themselves on, on how they're going to put Ethel on a little time clock. And um, the Littlefields arrive and Ethel and Lucy just bum rush them to get their coats. They slam them into chairs. They offer them a drink. And then when Mr. Littlefield says yes to one, Lucy says, well, too bad we don't have time. Mrs. Littlefield runs into the kitchen to help them with dinner. And then they go into this like incredible speed rush where they'll put the plates down and then immediately take them. They'll put bowls down. Nobody gets to try anything. The men find a radish that fell off a salad plate and fight over it. <laughs> There's a shirt button in Mr. Littlefield's water glass because Lucy says she's washing the dishes and the clothes together. The main course is frozen because there's no time to defrost. But they have nice hot biscuits. Lucy puts on a baseball glove and <laughs> Ethel throws them from the kitchen. It is so funny and so chaotic and delightful. Mrs. Littlefield is cackling, by the way. And I like to imagine this is the actress breaking a little bit, but... She gets it together a little too quickly to have broken. All of this leads Mr. Littlefield to be completely outraged, and he calls Ricky a monster, and he rips up the schedule. And he says this is no way to run a home, but it's the only way to run the run a nightclub. And he gives Ricky the promotion. And all this just leads me to believe that Mr. Littlefield just must be awful to work for. I mean, he just kind of totally sucks. But that's the episode. And look, I really enjoy this episode. Um, and partially that's because this is a, a, one example of a time that I'm not singularly on one person's side. It's like, I'm a very timely person. My husband is not the best with time management. He has gotten much better. I know you're listening, honey, and you have gotten amazing. Um, but we've had so many bickering moments about this where I'm just like so frustrated about being even five minutes late somewhere. So I completely get why Ricky reacts poorly in this situation. Like, if my husband kept me from a promotion, made me an hour late to something that was clearly so important to me, I'd be furious. Like I said, I get upset if we're five minutes late to something. It makes me anxious. So I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm team Ricky in this because, obviously, but I I get why he feels like he has to do something. And... I appreciate that Ricky doesn't snap in a way that's violent. You know, he doesn't he doesn't threaten to strangle her or kill her. We don't fall any into those like tropes that we hit quite a bit where it almost seems like Lucy is afraid of him when she upsets him. 
And I don't usually take that too seriously, but like, let's be honest, sitcoms, especially from this era, they do have a tendency to lean on kind of brutish behavior from their husbands as a, like a jokey, funny thing. I mean, the Honeymooners, which was only three years after this, like their big trademark was Jackie Gleason threatening to punch his wife so hard that she flew into outer space. And it's refreshing for me to see this episode and see that it doesn't lean on that, but it just kind of instead leans on like neurosis and justifiable frustration. Like, is this an overcorrect on Ricky's part? Absolutely. Totally an overcorrect. But it is more to me about a push and pull of power and autonomy than it is about like Ricky being the head of the household, this like domineering dictator. And when Ricky does try to be that person rather than a partner, that's when Lucy has to essentially put him in his place. And I think ultimately that's what this episode does really, really well. It frames Lucy's antics as reminding her husband of where he stands and who she is and how she is not to be messed with. (laughs) Lucy is fine with the schedule when she feels like she has control over it. I mean, again, she has phone calls and nap time and nail work, like doing her nails written in. Again, how do I get one of these? I would love this. And Ricky doesn't even like get mad or yell at Lucy when the schedule doesn't benefit him. He just takes his coffee popsicle and he gets out of there. It's not until Ricky really leans in to this like gross patriarchal nonsense that Mr. Littlefield is instilling that Lucy decides that it's a slippery slope from her own autonomy and she decides to bite them in the ass. This episode really highlights how different the Ricardo marriage is from the quote-unquote traditional way of life we've seen. The Littlefields are obviously the big, dramatic, glaring example of this, but even Fred and Ethel show it earlier in the episode. Specifically, we see Ricky as a different kind of husband, one who can't force his wife to do anything, one who doesn't rule the house, one who doesn't bear a resemblance to his older counterparts who are stuck in their ways. And when he tries to mimic them, it backfires. Make no mistake. I Love Lucy was, in many ways, a very domestic show about very classic baby boom era domestic things. But at the core is a couple that is nothing like the marriages formed even 10 years before theirs. I loved it. This is definitely one to watch. It's got some really great sight gags. It's super funny. And it really showcases the very best of Lucy Ricardo a woman who will not be told who she is by anyone else. And honestly, it shows kind of the best of of Ricky Ricardo, a man who is most successful in his life when he is having a true partnership with the woman he loves, not being the leader the way that he probably expected to be. At least the way that he is expected to be. So let's talk a little bit about our guest stars in our historical notes section. So Phoebe Littlefield was played by Edith Miser. She performed with the Marx Brothers. She also wrote scripts um, for different radio series, including the Sherlock Holmes radio series. She was an actor on Broadway with Vivian Vance. And I just really like – her career is so interesting to me because there were quite a few women writers in Hollywood at this time. 
they're just not talked about that much. But a lot of the radio shows and a lot of television shows and a lot of comedies in particular were written by men or written by women um, and sometimes women and men teams. And I did not expect that Edith Miser would be one of these, but there she is. She's a very fascinating woman. And then, of course, most notably for any Lucy fan, this is the first entrance into the Lucyverse of Gail Gordon, who, much like our beloved B. Benaderet um, from earlier in the series, was on My Favorite Husband with Lucille Ball, and he was the original choice for Fred Mertz, but he was very unavailable. He was so busy. Um, but he was invited to do this role, and he actually comes back in the finale, and um, he will be in... I think both of Lucy's other sitcoms. I think he's he's in Here's Lucy and he's in um Life with Lucy and the Lucy show. Yeah, he's in he he visited all of her her shows. <laughs> he was a good friend of hers. Um one other kind of fun little thing about Gail Gordon that I think is really interesting is we talked back in The Kleptomaniac about Joseph Kearns who played the psychiatrist and he passed away while he was on Dennis the Menace. Gail Gordon is actually who replaced Joseph Kearns. So that's just kind of a fun fact <laughs> regarding these th this little powerhouse man. So next week, we will be watching Ricky Thinks He's Going Bald. Ugh, we're ending this season so strong as far as I'm concerned. I love these episodes. Here's the log line for Ricky Thinks He's Going Bald. No, I'm not going to do that one. Ricky is concerned when he feels his hairline is receding. So Lucy decides to give him some painful scalp treatments to show him he has nothing to worry about. So that'll be next week. I'm so excited to rewatch this one. I watched this one so much as a kid, and I haven't seen it in years. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends. These are the absolute best ways to help the show. Share us on Instagram, yada, yada, yada. Follow me on Twitter if you want. I rarely post, but I guess I would if there were more people paying attention to me over there. I don't know. Uh, thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Ricardo Project. It means more to me than you know. If you'd like to get in touch for any reason whatsoever, I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can reach me on Instagram at The Ricardo Project, on Twitter at Ricardo underscore project, and by email at project at gmail.com. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast and telling a friend about it. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back next week with Ricky Thinks He's Going Bald.